morning, church. It's so good to be with you. And if you're a first-time guest, I just want to say thank you for joining us online this morning. You can find out more about our church at SalemHeightsChurch.org, where we kind of update what's going on in the church and other ministry opportunities that are starting to open up here at Salem Heights. Well, this morning, I hope you've had an opportunity to gather with some folks and be able to tune in for this morning's message as we worship the Lord together and hear from his word. I hope you enjoy it. Well, good morning, Salem Heiders and guests. We welcome you here today. I wanted to start by reading out of Psalm 113 for us as we head into our worship time. It says, Hallelujah, give praise, servants of the Lord, and praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forever, from the rising of the sun and to its setting. Let the name of the Lord be praised, for he is exalted above the nations, his glory above the heavens. For who is like the Lord our God? the one enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. And he raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the garbage pile in order to seat them with nobles, with the nobles of his people. He gives the childless woman a household, making her joyful mother of children. Hallelujah. We have much reason to praise him today, so let's do that together. You reign in all the heavens, 
trials near and my time has come and still my soul will sing your praise Shepherd, I shall not. In green pastures, he makes me lie down. He restores my soul and leads me on for his name, for his great name. And surely. Your holy 
Father, we can trust you in that. We recognize that you are even here now as we walk through any valley that we may be walking through. We know that it will hit us all. God, I would pray that you'd help us to remember that you are in control. Even in these days when it seems like there's so much turmoil and change around us constantly, help us to remember that you are still on your throne, just like Psalm 113 said. God, help us now as we hear from your word. Let it be an encouragement to us. In Christ's precious name, amen. Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to grab those now or turn in the on and find Acts chapter 13. And if you're a guest with us this morning, I just want to say thank you for joining us. We are really glad that you're here. And, and we're right now working our way through the book of Acts in the New Testament. And we're in a series called Christianity on the Grow. Uh, it's a section in the book of Acts that we see a transition take place in the early chapters of the book we see the birth of the church in Jerusalem. But now that as we made our way to chapter 13, we're going to see that gospel message go out from the Apostle Paul into the rest of the world. This is what we call a missions movement, a, a kind of a missional outlook to take this word to the rest of the world. And so what we're going to see is that as Paul begins to, to work through these different parts of his journey, we're going to see him find success as people are going to believe the gospel, but we're also going to see Paul face a lot of opposition. And so the rest of the book of Acts actually contains all three of Paul's missionary journeys. And what we realize is that Paul was going into a world sent out by God that was very similar to the world we find ourselves in today. Uh, some commentators called this culture or the, the kind of the state of the world a pluralistic society. And that just simply means that it was diverse. As Paul heads into these other regions of the world, he's going to find a, a lot of different cultures. He's going to find a lot of different faiths. He's going to find a lot of different gods that are being worshipped. And, and in many cultures, they were very pluralistic in their worship of gods. They had multiple gods that they worshipped. And along the way, Paul takes the simple gospel and offers that truth to those people. I really think this is the same kind of world that we find ourselves in today. And in fact, I believe that you and I have the exact same call on our lives to be followers of Jesus Christ, to take that message of the good news, the, the gospel that is, that Jesus Christ came and died on a cross, was buried and rose again, and that by believing in that and believing in him by faith, we can have forgiveness from our sins, we can have the, the gift of the Holy Spirit fill us up, and we can begin to live in newness of life. And, and God has called his followers to take that message to those who are far from Jesus, to take those to uh, the world. Now, when I talk about being on mission, 
I know that sometimes we think of missions as going away to some other part of the world, maybe going into a third world country where there's poverty or lots of false religion. But what I know to be true is that mission is really wherever you're at, uh, whether it's at work, perhaps it's even in your own family. You have someone who hasn't started a relationship with Jesus, hasn't placed their faith in the Lord. And so really, I think that all Christians are called to be on mission and, and that mission is to take the gospel to those who haven't heard it with the hopes that they will believe themselves in that message and that they would be not only forgiven, but added to the family of God. And so this morning, we're going to focus on the last part of Acts chapter 13, where we see Paul uh, give a sermon and he's going to be speaking to a group of people uh, in a synagogue and he's going to be presenting to them the gospel. And what I want us to, to highlight, or what I just wanted to kind of pick out of this passage, are three trips to a six, three tips, excuse me, to a successful mission trip. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 13 and follow along as I read aloud. This is the word of the Lord. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and went back to Jerusalem. They continued their journey from Perga and reached Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue and sat down. And after reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, you can speak. Paul stood up and motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites, and you who fear God, listen. The first tip that I want us to see just in this little section that we just read is that we must be ready with the gospel. That's the first tip to a successful mission trip. We must be ready with the gospel. I've had the opportunity in different kind of jobs that I've had to go through CPR training, CPR and basic first aid, and, and maybe you've been through a training like that. It's, it's pretty common in the workplace that they have different employees go through this training. And so you, you come and you learn about how to help people who are in need, if there's a medical emergency, what to do if you come upon someone who's not breathing. And oftentimes they, they lay out a, a mannequin that you, you, that you actually practice the technique of performing CPR on someone and hopefully be able to continue that circulation of oxygenated blood until the medics get there. And what they tell you in CPR training is that you are preparing yourself for the unexpected. That if you are in an area, maybe you went to a mall, it's not a place that you are responsible for anything that's going on there, but then you come upon someone who's, who's choking or someone who has stopped breathing and has collapsed. They might ask, is there anybody here who can help? And you are ready to help. You are ready to step in and, and help maybe save a life. I think the, tr the same is true for, for believers. Uh, we need to be ready to share the gospel. You know, Paul made his way to a synagogue and he, he sat down, it said. So Paul was going there to, to participate in the service that day. He was going to there to, to listen to the word of the Lord be read. That was the practice of the day. They would take out the Old Testament scriptures and they would read it. And it was when, the, when they asked Paul, do you have any words that can encourage us, that Paul took advantage of that opportunity. He was ready to share the gospel. 
And so Paul highlights the gospel in this sermon. We're not going to read the whole section here, but I want to draw our attentions to verses 28 through 31. Paul says this, he's speaking of Jesus here. Though they found no grounds for the death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him killed. And when they carried out all they had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and he appeared for many days to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now witnesses to the people. So in his message, as he starts to begin sharing with this group of people who were very religious, but who had not placed their faith in Christ as their Savior, he gives them the gospel. And he highlights the fact that Jesus came and he was put to death, even though he didn't deserve death. He was buried, but then God raised him from the dead and he showed himself to many people, proving that he had truly risen from the dead. This wasn't a hoax. People weren't hallucinating. It wasn't just a myth. He had truly risen, proving that he was God. And so what we see here is we don't know when or where, but we must be ready to share the gospel when the opportunity arrives. This is the first key to a mission trip, whether it's here at home or we're abroad. Wherever we go, we don't know when God will open that door, but we need to be ready with the gospel. That's the first thing we see here in Paul. He was ready when the opportunity came to share the gospel clearly with those people. But there's a second tip that kind of jumps out to me from this text, and that is this. We must start with the gospel. You know, oftentimes when we, we encounter uh, on the mission field, or even, again, in the workplace, in our families, just being out and about in our community, we can kind of come upon situations where there's a lot of needs. Uh, sometimes on the mission field, I've been able to go to places like the Philippines or India, uh, places where there's extreme poverty. Uh, there's a, a lot of different false worship of different gods in different faiths. And you come upon these situations and, and you see all the different needs. There's things that need to be corrected like bad theology, uh, sinful practices, and there's even physical needs. You see people that are hungry and thirsty and needing of clothes. And, and I want you to hear me. All of these things are, are things that are important to be addressed. These are needs that, that I think the church does have a role in of coming alongside and, and, and being in the hands and feet of Jesus, helping provide food for the hungry and water for the thirsty and, and clothes for those who don't have them. But what we see from Paul's example is that he reminds us that when we are on mission, before we address any other need, we need to address the greatest need that every human person has, and that is the need for salvation. And so if we're going to be successful on mission, if we're going to be successful, if we go on a mission trip, we always need to start with the gospel. I remember growing up, I, I, I'm a redhead. I have three redheaded kids, and I know what it's like to be fair-skinned. And I remember growing up, and we would go swimming at a lake, or we'd go to the city pool, and you know, I would see kids come in through the gate and they could go, I mean, they're, you know, getting ready, getting in their swimsuit and they get right into the water. But I just came to learn for me that I always was going to be stopped by my mom and that I was going to be lathered up with the strongest SPF sunscreen there was out there. Her little baby wasn't going to get a sunburn. And I remember just feeling so like a drag. I was so excited to get to what was, the, what was there. I wanted to get in the water. I wanted to splash around. I wanted to play. 
But there was something that needed to happen first that was very important for my protection, for my safety. And so even though I, I maybe didn't want to start there, even though I, I didn't want that to happen, I'm really glad that I started there because it was an important thing and, and, and it prevented a lot, I'm sure, a lot of bad, bad sunburns. You know, we can come upon a situation maybe in the workplace or in our family where we see a bad attitude, we see maybe a fleshly flare-up, we see somebody maybe doing something that is not okay, not, you know, ethical or pleasing to God. And, you know, we could start by trying to address the problem. We could try to address the bad attitude, the angry response, the disrespect, the, maybe just the, the, the kind of the coldness. But really in doing that, we're kind of just dealing with the, the fruit. We're dealing with what we see. We're not dealing with the root of the issue. So we can throw rules and principles of godly living at people, but it's a relationship with God through the gospel that's going to lead a person not just to behavior modification, but true heart transformation. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, we see Paul talk about the gospel again. This is a really classic text in the Bible that kind of really clearly defines what is the gospel's message? What is the good news? And then it's simply that Jesus Christ came to earth, the Son of God, lived a perfect life, was crucified, buried, and rose again. And what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, this message is of first importance. This thing that I, I'm delivering to you right now, and he's about, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he's about to say the gospel. He says, this is the most important thing I could tell you. This is the first thing you need to hear. And so the second tip that we'd see in, in Acts 13 to a successful mission trip is that we must start with the gospel because faith accomplishes what obedience to the law cannot. In fact, here in Acts 13, Paul says this in verse 38 and 39. He says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. Paul is just reiterating to this crowd, it's Jesus who came, he lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And it's through faith in him that we are saved. Our sins are forgiven. We enter into a new relationship with God. And it's through that and that alone that we are justified. There's no amount of rules. There's no amount of obedience that could earn God's approval. It's simply through faith. And so we must not only uh, be ready to share the gospel, we must start with the gospel. But there's one more tip in Acts 13 that Paul shares or that we see in Paul's life to a successful mission trip. And that is this, we must remain faithful to the gospel. It says here in verse 42, as they were leaving, the people urged them to speak about these matters the following Sabbath. After the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul was saying, insulting him. Paul and Barnabas boldly replied, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you reject it, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. We are turning to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the end of the earth. 
When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. You know, the gospel was shared by Paul to this group, but it, it wasn't received by everybody. And we know that to be true, that sometimes we can, we can share who Jesus is and what he has done and what he's inviting people to do, and people will reject it. They'll, they won't receive it. But in this, in this passage, we see that that didn't deter Paul from staying faithful to the gospel. You know, sometimes when we, when we feel opposition or we feel kind of rejection, there's something inside of us that might want to maybe compromise or cave or cater to the culture or cater to that community because we want to be accepted or we want to be liked. We don't want to be on the outside looking in. But the example that we see here in Paul is that we must remain faithful to the gospel. That's what he did. You know, these Jews started to insult him. They started to try to get the crowds to turn against him. But Paul stayed faithful. He didn't compromise. He goes on in the next chapter to kind of highlight the fact that that kind of obedience, that faithfulness to the gospel will result in hardship. We will be rejected. We will face people who, who are angry, who don't want to hear it. And, and that will hurt. There will be a sense of sadness and loss. But we see the confidence of Paul and Barnabas in this, in this text. They, they see God's provision in the rejection. It was the Jews that had rejected the gospel and, and created a clear path now for the gospel to go to the Gentiles, where they could clearly be able to go and, and, and take that gospel beyond the Jewish people and into the rest of the world, just as the Bible predicted. Paul and Barnabas did not let opposition hinder the proclamation. I know in my life, uh, there's been kind of seasons in my life where uh, things happen unexpectedly that I, I didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. Even my journey to uh, joining the team here at Salem Heights Church, I was, I was in another profession. I had another career, and, 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 I, and I saw kind of a, a, a career path that I was excited to go down. And then God, I, began, I believe, began to start moving things around. And at first I was, I was upset. At first I, I didn't understand what was going on. And in that moment, I had a choice to either trust the Lord and continue to follow Him or to kind of take matters into my own hands and try to contrive the destiny that I wanted. In those moments, you know, when we don't see what God's doing and we don't understand it's easy for us to think that we know better or that we, we're going to kind of take the reins and we're going to modify things so that we can kind of hold on to what we feel like is falling apart. But what I can tell you is true in my life is that now I look back down the corridor of time and I, I'll see what God has done since those moments in my life. I can see his hand skillfully orchestrating things that have brought me to where I am today. And had I taken matters into my own hands, or had I compromised my faith and, and chose to trust in myself or in something else rather than God, I would not have experienced the benefits and joy that I am today being right where I believe He has me and right where He wants me. I think the same is true for all of us. And that's the example we see here in this text, that Paul stayed faithful to the gospel even when he was facing opposition, even when it was rejected. And because he did that, Many were saved. We saw here in verse 49 that it says they took the, the word of the gospel to the Gentiles, and it says that that word spread, that many people were saved, and that whole region heard the word of God. Now that led to greater opposition. 
If you were to go on to read the final few verses of Acts 13, it, it tells us that it, people just got more and more upset as they saw more and more people believing in the gospel. But Paul and Barnabas didn't let that stop them. It didn't cause them to, to cave or to compromise. They remained faithful to the gospel. It says they shook off the dust on their sandals at that place. It just means, okay, we're leaving. We're going to break fellowship. And then they moved on. I love what it says in verse 52. It says that the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe happens to us when we remain faithful to the gospel. When we continue to share it, when we continue to live it, when we continue to celebrate it, even if we face opposition and rejection, we will be filled with joy in the Holy Spirit because we will be right where the Lord has us. So we need to remember that when it comes to sharing the gospel, opposition often leads to revival. That's what we see here. And so three tips to a successful mission trip, whether you're here at home living missionally amongst your family, your co-workers and friends, or whether you're out in another country going to a people group that maybe has never heard about Jesus Christ, we need to be quick to be ready with the gospel, to start with the gospel, and remain faithful to the gospel. Our world needs the gospel now more than ever. Just like in Paul's day, there's all kinds of false religions and bad ideas that are distracting and, and diluting what God has done for us. And we need to be faithful in that proclamation because faithful proclamation of the gospel is still leading to change lives today. And so you and I have been commissioned, like Paul, to join in this mission to live out the gospel and to share the gospel with all those who are far from Jesus. You might hear this message this morning and and again, he was speaking to a religious group of people, people who thought that they had their kind of act together when it came to doing good things and living a good life. But there's one warning I want to highlight as we wrap up. In verse 40, it says this. This is Paul's warning to this group after he's just clearly explained the gospel. He says this. So beware that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, marvel and vanish away because I am doing a work in your days a work that you will never believe, even if someone were to explain it to you. What's the warning here? That you would hear the word of God, that you would hear the gospel, that you would hear the call to join him and sharing the gospel, and that you would reject it, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't join in, you wouldn't believe it. And the warning is, don't let that be true of you. I don't want us to miss that warning. I don't want us to miss out on the opportunity to, to stand with Jesus. I don't want to miss out on the opportunity of being used by the Lord to share the gospel and to see that God use his spirit and his word to change lives. I want to be that. And I want you to be that as well. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the apostle Peter tells us that we need to be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks of the hope that exists inside of us. I truly believe that if we are on mission with the Lord, if we, if we love the gospel, if we're saturated by the gospel, that not only will we see opportunities where we can take the gospel, but that that light that's inside of us, that is a reflection of the light, Jesus Christ, is going to draw people to ask us, hey, why do you think that? Why do you act that way? How, why are you handling that hardship? Some, there's something different about you. Tell me why that is. We need to be ready with the gospel. We need to start with the gospel and we need to remain faithful to 
to the gospel. That's my prayer for us this morning, that we will be successful on wherever the Lord takes us on mission. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful for the fact that you, you sent your word, not just to the Jewish people, but your plan was always to, to send it to the world, to send it to both Jews and Gentiles, and that those who would believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection would be saved. They would have their sins forgiven. They would be filled with your Holy Spirit, and they would have now a newness of life in relationship with you. God, thank you for sending your word to the world. And thank you now for inviting us, commissioning us to join in that work. God, help us to know the gospel for ourselves. Help it to minister to our souls and to our hearts every day. And that we will be ready when that opportunity opens up and that we will start there. That we won't deal with the other circumstances that are all the, the result of sin or the result of bad choices, but that we will speak to the heart, the need for the gospel in each person's life. And that when we face opposition and we face struggles and it's just hard to be with Jesus, that we will remain faithful because we know he is good and he will carry us through. God, we thank you for these tips and we pray that you would help us apply them to our lives so that we can be successful on mission with you. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen.